Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Say this after me. Say, I'm not leaving here the same. I'm not leaving here the same. Tell the Lord I came for something. And I'm not leaving until I get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in a, it was like a group discussion um, with a bunch of men. And we were, they were talking about how do we get people from hearing about the Lord, hearing, not only hearing about Jesus, but seeing for themselves who he is, seeing with their eyes who Jesus is. If I ask you, who, who is the Lord to you? Who is Jesus to you? What does he mean to you? Would you have an answer? What would you say? And so we were kind of discussing that. And, you know, they're all giving all their opinions. And but the inside of me, I just kept hearing encounter, encounter. People need an encounter with Jesus. This generation needs an encounter with the Lord. And it just, it was like encounter. And I, I you know, I didn't say anything. You know, I, I had already like spoken before so I didn't want to like you know like monopolize the whole time but um that's what I kept hearing on the inside of me it was just they needed an encounter that's how they go from hearing about Jesus to seeing them with their eyes and that's what happened to what happened to Job right after he got that huge three or four chapter rebuke from the Lord he goes my eyes my ears have heard you but my eyes see you because he had an encounter with the Lord amen Thank you, Jesus. It's, listen, it's every desire of every pastor here that you all fulfill the call of God on your lives. Amen. That's it. And, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be fivefold ministry. It doesn't have to necessarily be a pastor. But we need people in every realm to have an encounter with God. If you're in the finance realm, if you're in the business realm, if you're in the construction realm, whatever realm of influence that you have, that you do, there's an encounter for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But before there is an encounter, there is a call. And so the, the, I want to talk to you today about the call and the encounter. Amen. So the call, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He cannot take it back. And so the call of God is always there, right? It never goes away. No matter, I mean, some of us try to run from it. Some of us try to run from it. You know what I mean? No, Lord, no, no, no. I will never do that. Never tell the Lord, never. You just, you just, you just volunteered yourself. <laughs> but he won't take it back, right? And um, the Bible also says in Jeremiah 31, 33, it says this in the new, the new, um, the NLT says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my instructions deep within them. I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Hallelujah. So God has, God has something for each and every one of you in, in this place. He has a purpose for your lives. There are, no, there are no spot fillers in the kingdom of heaven. It's not like I'm filling a spot so that someone else can come and, and, and do what I'm supposed to do. There are no fillers in the kingdom of God. There are no mistakes in the kingdom of God. You're in this place for a reason, a purpose. You're under earth right now for a reason and a purpose, and it's for God's will. 
It's, it's for God to show himself strong. And who's ready? Is it you? Are you going to let the Lord show himself strong through you? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I, I started to think about encounters. And, I'm, you know, the, you know I, I went to the first man in the Bible. Well, one of the first men in the Bible that had an extreme encounter with the Lord. And that was who? That was Moses, right? Amazing encounter with the Lord. So we see here at the beginning of the book of Exodus, um, really I'm going to focus on Exodus chapters 2 and 3, but in the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see that there's a, new, there's a new pharaoh, there's a new king that takes power, and this new king has no idea. So basically, Joseph and his entire generation had already passed away. And so this new king, this new pharaoh, had no clue about what happened with, with, with Joseph and his brothers and how he had favor with the former king. He had no, he had no clue about it. So, so basically, this new king saw the Israelites multiplying, right? They're, they're multiplying, they're having babies, and they're growing, and they're outnumbering the Egyptians, so he, he, he basically says, listen, um, we're going to kill all the newborn male Israelites that are born, basically. You know, that was his plan. Out of fear, out of fear, he did that. Out of fear that the Israelites would, over, would basically overthrow them, right? Because of, just because of their number, uh, because of how much people that the Israelites had. But really, okay, so the real reason, that was, his like, that was his like backup plan. His real plan was he told the Israelite midwives, hey, when you're giving birth, when you're helping these, these women have babies, if it's a boy, kill the boy. But the midwives feared the Lord. They loved the Lord. And they said, they're popping babies out before we can even get there. You know, and when I read that, my mind just went to like, you know, here's a... <laughs> Here's an is a Israelite, is Israelite man coming home, you know. Hey, honey, mwah, boom, you know, like, whoa, I'm not, not kissing you anymore. The Lord multiplied them supernaturally, right? That's just where my mind went to, you know. Hey, honey, I had a long day, mwah, boom, you know, that's just, it's just me. But the Lord multiplied them. Supernatural. I, I completely believe it was supernaturally, but the midwives were like, listen, they're, they're popping them out before we even get there. We can't even kill them. So that's when he goes, okay, well, let's throw them all in the Nile River. All the newborn babies, throw them in the Nile River. Horrible. Horrible. Hallelujah. But the Lord continued to, I mean, after the midwives said that to him, the Lord continued to multiply them. I don't care what the plan of the enemy is. The Lord always finds a way. He can plot and scheme and do whatever he wants. The Lord will always find a way to deliver his people. Listen, I'm not surprised when the world behaves like the world. Some people are shocked and some people are like, they did what? I'm not surprised. it, It doesn't shock me when the world behaves like the world. And it shouldn't shock you either. Hallelujah. But he's looking for a man and a woman. That'll say, Lord, use me. It's me, Lord. Uh, use me with all my faults and all my frailties and all the stuff I deal with. Use me. 
Hallelujah. So Moses' mom, you know, she puts him in the basket, sends him up the river, and he ends up where? In the, in the palace. He, he ends up, the um, Pharaoh's daughter is, you know, she's basically bathing in the river. She sees the basket, tells her servant, go and get the basket. Sees the baby, the baby's crying. Her heart reaches out, falls in love with him, right? And says, well, I'm going to keep him, you know? So she basically gives, now she gives Moses back to his mom to basically nurse. And after Moses was weaned, she, he went back into the palace. Now it, now, it doesn't say how old he was, but I weaned Michael at two. I mean, not me. I didn't wean Michael. My wife weaned Michael. <laughs> I was sleeping. I'd be, there's nothing I could do. Babe, you know I, you know I would if I could, honey. <laughs> so, so, so we wean Michael at two. It was so funny. I was watching Pastor Caleb last night. He was saying, "Listen, man, if your baby's 84 months, and he's still, he's still, you know, he's still drinking, it's time to have a conversation." But we would assume he was about two or three. Um, when he came back into the palace. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So this is the good part. This is the encounter, right? So um, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 says this. Well, it's 11 through 15, I think. It says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to, to visit his people, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your, your friend? Moses said to the one who started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and our judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Moses heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So we're talking about the call right now. It's, you know, we're still going to you know, talk, talk about the call. What's a prince doing walking among slaves? You ever, you ever thought of that? Why is a prince that has access to a palace... Decides, I'm going to walk around dirty slaves. I'm just going to go and just walk around them. There's no reason. Princes don't do that. You'll never see a prince <laughs> leave his palace to go and walk around the slaves. But there's that call again. There's the call. He was, I mean, the call leads you, right? The call pulls you. There's something. He needed. He needed to be around them. I don't know why. I just need to be around these people. That's the call. It'll never go away. It'll always be there. Thank you, Jesus. The call draws you, it pulls you, it leads you. Moses had everything but was unfulfilled in his heart. Had everything in the natural, but was still, there was something, he was searching. The man was searching, he was searching. He wasn't just sitting up in the palace like, I'm good. He's like, no, there's, man, there's something on the inside of me that's just pulling me to these people. Listen, the Bible says that after he killed that guy, after he killed the guy, he returned to the scene of the crime. Who does that? Who does that? A person that has a call of God on their life, 
that wants to be around the people. That's who, who does that? Who goes back, buries him in the sand, and then goes back the next day to the scene? <laughs> who does that? There's the call, right? That call, that, that hunger, that yearning, that pulling. It was always there. And so there was a call of God on his life, maybe even before he even knew it. He, he, he probably didn't even know why. Why am I even here among these people? What am I doing back here? Hallelujah. He could not stay away. So Moses saw, basically, in, when he killed that Egyptian, he saw injustice happening, right? He's like, man, that's not right. Was so overcome. Was so overcome with compassion. It was like compassion mixed with anger, mixed with I don't know what, that he ended up killing the guy. Hallelujah. He said, you know, this can't continue. My heart burns for these people. And he ends up doing something with the arm of the flesh, right? He ends up killing a guy. Hallelujah. But I believe this is where the Lord started to take notice of Moses. The Lord's like, okay, if he's got enough conviction to take a guy out, I could use that dude. I could use that dude. Maybe his actions were a little... Is, you know, his actions were, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But this is a guy that I could use because of his conviction, because of his passion. This is not like some laid back guy that'll just, you know, well, um, yeah, they're, you know, this guy's just getting whooped on. Oh, well, I'm the prince. I can't do anything. But I believe the Lord started to take note of Moses right in that moment. Hallelujah. So Moses runs to Midian, flees to Midian for his life, right? And the Lord's like, let me see if this guy's heart is really in the right place. Let me check. Because, you know, he killed a guy, but I got to see if he's in the right place. So he goes to Midian. He ends up at a well. He's sitting in a well in Midian. And here come, uh, his name is Jethro. Here come his daughters. And they're, they're, they're basically going to feed their sheep at the well. But these other shepherds came and was trying to drive them away. What does Moses do? He beats them up, sends them running, right? He, I mean, he must have been a, I mean, there were a couple of guys, and it was him. So he, he must have been well in stature, right? Who's, who's seen the Ten Commandments with Charles and Hesson? Come on, that's my, mm, I love that show. So that's like one of my all-time favorites. Charleston Heston put a whooping on those guys. But um, but the Lord saw something. Not only did he rescue, after he beat the shepherds up and sent them running, he, he, he pulled water for the sheep. So not only did he rescue, he nurtured. And the Lord's like, all right, this is a God I could use. This is a God that I could trust with my people that's been crying out. There's a people crying out. There are people waiting on you to have your encounter with the Lord. There's a people crying out right now. There are people waiting on you to have your encounter with the Lord. And let's just, listen, let's just, how, imp- how important is an encounter? If Pastor Kirsten didn't have an encounter in her house in Colorado and called Pastor, Kirt- uh, Pastor Caleb and said, we got to go, would we even be here? Let's go one further. If Pastor Rodney didn't cry out in the back of a bus, Lord, touch me with your fire, repeatedly, repeatedly, would any of this be here? 
How important is an encounter? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 3, 1 through 10 says this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He fled the flock far, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Through the, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I, certainly, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries and because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the people the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and now I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. This is the encounter he has, right? This is the encounter that, that changed his entire life. Now I want us to look at, I just, I just want us to look at something real quick here. Look at Moses before his encounter with God and after his encounter with God. Before his encounter, what does he do? He operates in the arm of the flesh. He saw injustice happening, and he was overcome that he, he, he had to do, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. Hallelujah. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. Think about it. How many people would, how many Egyptians would Moses have to kill and bury in the sand for, for Israel to be free? <laughs> You'd have to become like a ninja, so I don't know. How many, think about it. How many people for him to free Israel with the arm of the flesh? Wouldn't have worked out. Who you got taken out? Hallelujah. See, the call of God in your life cannot be accomplished by the arm of the flesh. If the call comes from a supernatural God, then the power to fulfill that call must come from the supernatural. This, it must come from the spiritual, right? Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes, I mean, I love this generation, but I don't, I don't get it because they want the real. I want the real. I want the real so much. But then, they, but then they nullify the very vehicle it takes to get the real, which is faith and obedience and yielding. You can't say, I want the real thing, God, and then not use the same faith that it took to know that you are saved. You don't need more faith to have an encounter with God. You don't need more anointing to have an encounter with God. The same faith that it took to know, man, Jesus came, died on the cross for me, rose on the third day, and is coming back again. That faith, that's all it takes to have an encounter. That's it. It doesn't take more. It doesn't take less. But it takes faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not by might nor by power, but my by spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It is through him 
We live and function and have our identity. Just as our own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. An encounter with God solidifies on the inside of you the resolve to fulfill the call. I'll say it again. An encounter with God solidifies on the inside of you a resolve to fulfill the call. I don't care what comes. I don't care, Lord. I'm going to fulfill the call of God that you have on my life. No matter what it is, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the enemy does. I don't care if I got to sleep on the ground. You know, you know, Bible school students in here, I don't care if I got to sleep on an air mattress for three years. I'm going to fulfill it. And if that's your attitude, if that's your heart, the Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to take care of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at this other encounter. So let's, so let's go back again. Let's, let's go back real quick to, 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 to Moses pre-encounter, post-encounter. Post-encounter, what does he have to do? Lift the rod, and that's it. Pre-encounter, arm of the flesh. Post-encounter, just lift the rod. And part the sea. It takes a supernatural encounter with God for you to fulfill the call of God on your life. Because the call is supernatural. Because it comes from a supernatural God. Thank you, Jesus. Saul on the road to Damascus had an encounter with God and his life was changed. The Bible says after the scales fell off, he went right into the synagogues preaching the word. Like right after the, syn- <laughs> the scales fell off his eyes, he went into the synagogues. Um, th- th- this is the same guy that was just trying to lock us up and kill us. Uh, We're going to take him out. Paul didn't care. Paul didn't care. After, after, after an encounter with God, Paul didn't care. Paul countered the cost at that point. And, and listen, they did plot to kill Paul, and the Lord protected him, but he didn't care. He said, I'm going. I'm, I'm the same people I'm going that I was, I was basically hired to go and capture and murder and do all this stuff. I'm going to go, and I'm going to preach Jesus to them. That's what encounter does. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oof. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You might say, how can, a, how can God use a man like Saul, a murderer, locked up Christians? He'd probably lock me up right now if he was here. How could the, how could the Lord use him? Because the call of God is bigger than the devil's plans for your life. It's bigger than what the devil's plans is. Listen, I always say this. God's, God's worst plan is better than the devil's best plan. But God doesn't make worse plans. He only has good plans for you. He doesn't have bad plans for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it really doesn't matter what you've done. It really doesn't matter what you've done, where you're from, who you are. It really didn't matter what Paul did before he had his road to Damascus encounter where everything lined up in his life, where the Lord's like, man, I could use this guy again because he's going to see it through. He's going to see it through. He has resolve, resolve to see it through. I mean, listen, we're not innately born evil. Right? Like, it wasn't like Paul 
came out the womb and said, I'm going to kill Christians. No, I'm pretty sure Paul was like, man, I, I, this thing that I'm doing, it's, pre, it's, it's pretty raw. It's pretty, mm, I mean, it's, I'm locking him up. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had questions in his heart. I'm pretty sure he's like, am I doing the right thing? And then the right thing met him on a road, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So the Lord can use you. You just have to be hungry. You just have to be hungry. How hungry can you get? Well, how much encounters, you know, do I need? Um, how much can you get? The Lord's like, bring it on. I'll give you an encounter every day. Right? Now, I know why, you know, what's his name? You know, Enoch just got taken away. He had too much encounters with the Lord. The Lord's like, listen, you might as well just come up here. He had an encounter with God. You might as well just come with me. I'll just, I'll just take you now. We're not going to go through the whole thing of, you know, your life. We're just going to take you. Amen. Because the Bible says you walked with God. Huh? Walk, that's, that's every day. Walking with God. That's an encounter with the Lord every single day. Everybody in the Bible. You, you, I mean, you go through Old Testament, always New Testament. Everyone that was ever used of God had an encounter. I pulled up the list. It was too long for me to even read it to you guys. I'm telling you, it's a long list of everyone that had an encounter with the Lord in the Bible. People thinking, you know, there's this thing of like encounters are just like this, you know, this once in a life thing. No, it happens all the time. It happened all the time in the Bible. People had encounters with God all the time in the Bible. There's no different. Oh, I thought I am the Lord. I change not. Oh, am I not the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Same God. You can have an encounter right here, right now. I remember when I had my encounter, and, you know, it was only the one, but it was all I needed. Well, I had two. I had two. But I remember I was laying in my bed. And the, Lord, and, and the Lord whispered to me, he said, this is not what I created my people for. That was, that was, and I just wept the whole night. And, I was, and then after that, I knew, I knew I was called. Listen, you better know that you're called. I'm telling you right now, you better find out. Know that you're called. Right? You can't know that you're called by just, you know, <laughs> drinking the skim milk like that guy said. You got to get in the meat of the word. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 brother, I'm called. Can't quote one scripture. Okay, yeah, that's nice. You better know that you're called, man. You better know that you're called. Hallelujah. Get in the word. Get in the meat. Get in the mystery. Thank you, Jesus. Do the known will of God for your life, and then he will reveal to you the unknown will. If you're sitting here going, I don't know what to do, there's a way to find out. Do the, un, do the known will of God. Well, I don't know if I need to go soul winning. I got to pray about it. Wait, go ye into all the world. Some things you don't need to pray about. Some things you don't need to pray about. And if you open it, it actually says commandment. Go ye into all the world. The great, the great suggestion. No, the great commandment. The great commission. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Stop running from the call. Stop running from it. 
Thank you, Jesus. Oops. Listen, when, when I moved to Florida, I didn't think about nothing about church. I, had, I, 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 I literally moved to Florida to escape New York City. Like, you want to talk about that movie, Escape from New York? I'm Kurt Russell. <laughs> I saw the movie and I was like, that guy, he's, he's got it. He's, got, he's on to something there. I ran away from that place. I was done with the big rats in the subway station. Done. Rats so big, use them as pets. Rats so big, he don't need a hamster wheel. He just use a tire wheel, just a spare tire wheel. That's his hamster wheel. But I love New York City. It's my city, man. And I'm going back one day. If you come in New York, get ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I got off my notes. Um, now I got to find my notes. But Paul, Paul counted the cost and the Lord protected him. Amen. Amen. Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for someone to show himself strong through. And you've got to be that person that says, Lord, I'm, Lord, if you're going to use anyone, use me. You know, we, Pastor Caleb, <laughs> Pastor Caleb came, out, came out of his office this week and he said, you know, it's a, it's, it's a wonder we get anything done around here. <laughs> and the joy of the Lord hit me. It hit me so hard. Because I realized the Lord is not a respecter of persons. He really isn't. You should see our staff. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're awesome. They're awesome. But the, genuinely, the joy of the Lord hit me. And like he, he, you know, he probably thought, man, that was a good joke, you know? <laughs> probably thought, oh, Pastor Mark's really laughing at this joke. Man, I hit it. No, but the joy of the Lord genuinely hit me because I'm like, man, Lord, thank you so much for using us. You know what I mean? Like, thank you for, like, it's humbling that the Lord would use someone like me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And never lose that, like, wonderment that the Lord would use you, man. Never lose that thing. Never get prideful that the Lord's using you. Never. Don't go there because, you know, then he's going to be like, well, you do it by the arm of the flesh now. See how that works out for you. Hallelujah. The Lord can only work through you to the extent that you allow him to do the work in you. Little work in you, little work through you. Big work in you, big work through you. Very simple. So you got to open up yourself. You've got to say, Lord, come in, do whatever it is you need to do. Whatever it is, whatever it is, my heart's open. However I need to look, it may look foolish. It may look crazy, right? When they told, what's his name? Was it Naaman to go and bathe in the Jordan? And he said, no. Uh, you can't tell the Lord how to, have, how to have an encounter with you. You can't tell the Lord, listen, Lord, I want, your I want, I want to encounter you. But don't make me run around the place. I want to encounter with you, but I don't want to shake. I don't like shaking, Lord. I don't want to fall. I, I really don't want to lay down on my back, Lord. Listen, I, but I need you. You can't tell the Lord how to have an encounter, how he's going to do it. He's going to do it how he's going to do it. Moses had the burning bush. Paul had a bright light. You, don't, you can't tell. It's not... It, it's, it's never the same. It's not going to be the same for you, for you. It's not everyone's encounter with the Lord is going to be completely different. And that's the awesomeness of God. That his encounter is tailored, 
right for you. Hallelujah. All I needed was a little whisper. This is not what I created my people for. And that was it. That's all I needed. Some people, I mean, I'm, you know, I hear some encounters that people have, and I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, Lord, really? Like you levitated them? Like for real? No, you, you like, Lord, uh, you, you put that person in a trance for like three hours and they froze for three hours. That must have been nice. That must have been real cool to just. It's happened. It, look it up. It's happened. This has happened on the earth. People go in a trance, and then they come out the trance like nothing happened. They just, all right. They run around like, you've been frozen for like three hours. What did you see? No, nothing. I just thought, oh. But the Lord does something on the inside. That's the, that's, that's the work. The work is on the inside. Not, the work is not on the outside. The work is on the inside. And the greater the work on the inside, it's going to be visible. People are going to know. There's something different. Something different about this guy. Wait, now he's praying at the table mm, before we eat? Oh, something different. Something different. Wait, he laying hands on the kids before they go to school? Mm, something different. There's something different. The encounter with God does that. Changes you from the inside out. Hallelujah. If in the natural, let me tell you, listen, if you're sitting here and you're still dealing with thoughts in your mind, well, I don't know if speaking in tongues is of the Lord. Well, I don't know if laying down when someone prays for you, they fall out. I don't know about that. Well, in the natural, when you go for an operation, what do they do? Do they stand you up and operate on you? No, they lay you down. They don't stand you up and operate on you. They lay you down. So if it's like that in the natural, it should be like this is God's operating table right here. It's called carpet time. Everybody needs some carpet time, and nobody is excused from carpet time. I don't care how long you've been in the ministry. I don't care what you did. Carpet time is always good time. It's always a good time on the carpet. But if you're still dealing with that stuff in your mind, man, listen, before, before, before David took out Goliath, he took out the lion and the bear. Some people might never get to their Goliath. I'm telling you right now, because they're still dealing with the lion and the bear. You gotta, he, he, he had to get past the lion and the bear first before, he's got, before he got to his Goliath. So don't let the devil keep you fighting the lions and bears in your life because he has a Goliath for you to take down in your life for his, for his will, for his purpose. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That was a Pastor Rodney one I took there. Uh, hey, I sat under the man. That's what comes out. An encounter with God can happen right here under this tent right now. Let's look at on the day of Pentecost what happened, right? When the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Notice the Bible says that the sound of a mighty rushing wind came in when? When they were what? All in what? One accord. When they were in unity, when they had one mind, one heart, one sp- when they were in one accord, that's when the Holy Spirit decided to, mm, now's the time. I'm coming. Hallelujah. Notice, wasn't there what, 120 in the upper room? 
How, you don't hear about the 120, you just hear about the disciples. What happened to the 120? Maybe some people were just looking, looky-loos. They had to leave, right? Well, you know, they, they actually pray in tongues at that, at, at that church on Hook Street. We should go check it out. We should go, man, they, they run around on that church on Hook Street. Let's go check it out. You only hear about the 12 disciples. There was 120 up there in the upper room. So maybe some people had to leave before the Holy Spirit can move. Amen. Don't be that person. We'll find you. We see, we see it on your face if you're that person. If you're sitting there and you're like this, you're that person. Hallelujah. Maybe the ones that didn't believe that the, what, what, what Jesus told the disciples was actually true. Maybe they were like, eh, they're saying this helper, comforter, counselor, helper is coming. I don't know. Let's go see. Let, I don't know. I don't really believe it. But let's go see. And then they went and then they had to tarry and they had no resolve. And so they left. And when they left, that's when the Holy Spirit decided to move. Amen. So you can have an encounter right here, right now under the tent, but you've got to get hungry. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to stir a hunger on the inside of you for an encounter with God. Well, I already had an encounter with God. Well, Moses had too, right? There's no level. There's no limit to the encounter. Well, I've already had an encounter in 84 there, pastor. And you know, well, what, well, you know, what, how about 2021? Hallelujah. By the way, Miss Linda, where are you? There she is. Today is the anniversary, third anniversary of the passing of the great Billy Graham. I just wanted to let you know that. So like I said, there are, you know, Pastor Caleb said it, there are mantles to be picked up. Reinhard Bonnke is on streets of gold. Billy Graham's on streets of gold. There are Thor Roberts, you know, great men of God. There are mantles to be picked up and he's handed them out. But you got to get, I can't get hungry for you. You got to get hungry for yourself. You got to get hungry. I can't do it for you. You've got to say, man, Lord, I'm so hungry for you. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to get an encounter with you. And I'm not saying it has to happen today. And I'm not trying to have you manufacture something because it can happen in your bedroom. It can happen while you're, you're, you're driving down the road. If it does pull over, it can happen in your kitchen. It can happen anywhere. But I'm stirring a hunger on the inside of you right now. To Lord, I want an encounter with you. And if I haven't had one in a little bit, it's time for another one. Thank you, Jesus. So as, listen, as I was speaking, um, and that's been stirring on the inside of you, right? That, in, that hunger for the encounter has been stirring on, the, or for an encounter has been stirring on. I'm, listen, it can happen. It can happen today. But you've got to want it. You've got to want an encounter. Maybe you've never experienced the Lord before. Maybe you've, you've, you've never had an encounter with God. And I'm not, like I said it before, I'm not trying to manufacture anything. But I can't get hungry for you. You've got to get hungry for yourself. You've got to reach out for yourself and say, Lord, there's a call of God on my life. I know there is. And the only thing... 
that can help me fulfill this call as an encounter with you. Because I'm not going to do this by the arm of the flesh. It has to be you. You know, Pastor said this morning, unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. So the Lord has to do it. It has to be a supernatural encounter. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.